Welcome to The Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. Each week, we investigate themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate. And now, the data scientist of real estate, George Roberts. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Pablo Gonzalez, host of the Not Your Average Investor Show. Pablo Gonzalez is obsessed with human connection, and he's used his expertise to grow nonprofits, to sell over $60 million of construction projects, rescue fledgling startups, set record-breaking quarters for 100 million-plus companies, and be named as a top 20 under 40 in his hometown. Most recently, he was featured in Mark Schaefer's book, Belonging to the Brand, and in the new edition of The Ultimate Sales Machine. He is the host of the Not Your Average Investor Show, co-founder and co-host of the Category Thinkers Community and Podcast, host of the B2B Community Builder Show, and founder of Be The Stage Live, an agency that works with evangelist CEOs to design a category and build a community of super consumers. So with that, Pablo, I'd like to welcome you to the show. I am happy to be here, man. That was a long intro there. I'm sorry I put you through all that. Let's... uh. <laughs> How can I make it, it up great, for you? <laughs> it was a it was a great intro, Pablo. And so uh, you. you know, hey, I thought I would just read it because it yeah. is good. I want people to get a an idea of, of who you are before we just get into it. And I guess with that, I would start by asking you, what do you tell people when they ask, what do you do for a living? Oh man. I generally tell them, depends who I'm talking to. I generally tell them I have a marketing agency uh to to, to keep it simple. If I really want to get into a conversation, I, I tell them I'm solving for community creation as the future of business development. Right. Well, that's awesome. So I didn't know if I was going to get into this earlier or later, but I know that you're a connector and most people I consider as connectors weren't really born that way. Mm -hmm. Now, I know my life as a connector is a really long journey and started with Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People really helped me to understand the value of human contact and human connections. And from there, I would say probably many births to me becoming a connector in my industry as a multifamily syndicator. But we're here today to hear about your journey. So tell us about your journey as a connector. Oh man. Yes. I didn't know we were going to talk about this. I love, I love this conversation, I, man. My first formative memory as the most American person in my family is uh, showing up to preschool and being the only kid that didn't speak English, right? And a year later, we moved to Spain where I went to a British school. And I thought at that point I knew Spanish and English, but I showed up again and couldn't understand the British dialect or the Spanish dialect from Spain. So I went home again, crying, uh, not knowing how to connect with people. And I think that just has, has formed me as this person that's always, always, always sought to belong. and. As I got good at that, I really started to seek for other people around me to belong. And I would say the most formative things that happened to me in my in my connector journey was as a kid, I was real gregarious and I kind of used this stuff for to serve my own purposes, right? Like to get an adult to buy me candy and 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 be a little manipulative son of a gun. But as I got into my 30s, 
I got really involved in charities in Miami on the side. And I realized that the most influential people in town all served on the boards of charities. And they all spoke about this idea of connecting people and serving others as a big, big key to their success. And that truth hit me right as I was reaching that point where I realized that when I'm in a meeting with a director of a bank and the mayor of Miami and um, some other VP of like a Fortune 500 company and I'm 31 years old, my Ace Ventura funny guy shtick was only going to get me so far in life. And I had to find another way to stand out, add value, right? Be be part of that. So at that point, I realized that this like superpower that I have of, you know, that I worked on for, for a really long time of becoming the most interesting person in the room worked a lot better if I focused on making the person in front of me feel like the most interesting person in the room, right? Serve with your superpower. And that's, that's what's really just come together for me since I, you know, in the last decade plus of my life as being a connector and actually making it work real well for my career. Well, you know, I love the angle of, making the other person seem like the most important person in the room. That's great. I found that very valuable as a podcaster. It'll serve you well in your career. Uh, It works great on first dates. So, you know, very, very valuable insight. And it's so simple though, but again, I I don't think most people ever truly get to understand it deeply enough to, to practice it fully. Agreed, man. And you you mentioned how to win friends and influence people, right? That is that right. is something you'll learn in that book. Hundred uh, percent. <laughs> I just for whatever reason, fancying myself a connector, I didn't read that book till I was like 38, 39, right? Like I yeah. I figured this out just by feeling like a loser in front of a bunch of uh high power executives when in my personal life I was really cool and and had to reverse engineer how to get that feeling again, you know. That's too good. All right. So, uh, so yeah, this, this is generally a real estate podcast. So we want to talk about connection, but I don't want to go too far before we, uh, lose the thread of uh, single family workforce housing as an asset class. I think this is huge and it's something that you're really focusing with at JWB. So tell us, tell us more about that. Like, why is this the asset class to be in? Yeah. So as you as you read about in in that belonging to the brand, like my story was, I got involved with JWB not because I know real estate in any way, but just somebody that had this idea of educating a market and really showcasing a company and what they do through community building. And as a result, I pitched Greg Cohen, the co-founder of of that company, this idea that hey man, if we show up once a week in front of this like Facebook group of your clients and whatever, and we you know, we talk a little bit about why real estate and how it works. And we talk a little bit about other asset classes and how it works. And we talk a little bit about why Jacksonville is great. And more than anything, we showcase other people that look seemingly intelligent and attractive doing something Then people will want to be guilty by association with that. And will have the knowledge to, you know, the, the, the knowledge base to feel confident and whether if it's for them or not. And, and that, so I, we jumped into hosting that show about three and a half years ago. And as at first I played the noble fool, right? And I really was the noble fool. And and over time, I it's it's impossible to be surrounded by a bunch of great people doing something awesome and not get interested in it and not do it, right? That's why right. they say you're the average of the five people, right? If we want to, that, that you most hang around with, if we want to stay on the connection theme. 
but it's what it's allowed me to really do is understand the the single family workforce housing asset class, right? Because that's that's what they do, and they do it in Jacksonville, and they do it in this really interesting vertically integrated way. But you know what drew me to it is is this idea that when it comes to single family workforce housing, right? I I lived through I lived through like the boom in Miami when Miami um, blew up twice and became unaffordable twice in two decades in a <laughs> row, right? And, and what always, always, always seemed like the biggest pain point in that city, that is, that was for people that lived there, wasn't being built for them, was this idea of lack of workforce housing close to an urban core, close to the job opportunities and things of that sort, right? Like not having to drive two hours to get to work and still be able to be a janitor or a uh, front office you know, front desk um, assistant, things like that, right? Jobs that we really, really need. And what I find really, really attractive in it is this idea that in in all markets that are bound to do well, that will always be a need. So I find that to be like a, a high level of risk mitigation. And then the other part of the the risk mitigation part that I really, really like about it is this idea that when it comes to workforce housing, people that are renting there, in good times, that is the workforce that is meant for that class. You're solving a real need, right? Like you are working with the city to provide value and do these things. And in hard times, the people that when that working class hits hard times and they might be in financial trouble, there's a whole nother class of people that now retreat towards workforce housing, right? So it has that resiliency in it. And what I've grown to understand is that you do this in a way that it's it's a great long-term investment, right? Like the set it and forget it stuff that you want to have to build your portfolio um, is, is the part of it where I find it very, very attractive because it has those levels of resiliency. And what you really need to solve for is how to stay in the game for a long time. And if you can stay in the game for a long time with a not just positive cash flow experience, but a positive experience experience of, of time investment, then it has these beautiful qualities of long-term growth and risk mitigation that outpace the other parts of where I invest that have a similar risk profile and um, and also keep up with the ones that have a, a high growth profile as well. So yeah, I like that's it. That's why I like it. Because I, I think that really just fits in with uh, how the free market works. I mean, if you want to make good returns, you've got to serve people. And the fact that workforce housing year after year tends to perform is telling you that it's it really is meeting a real need. Correct. You know, it's there's a baseline demand for it always that goes up and up and normalizes, <laughs> but there's all, but there historically there's just like lack of supply of it. And particularly in growing right. markets, which is where you want to invest to also have that upside side of it. Yeah. Mitigation to the downside is huge. And I think that speaks right to the, uh, to the long-term properties that make it beautiful. I, I think I'm doing my best to paraphrase, but you said it uh, much more nicely. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. You can rewind yeah. if you like. Uh, but I love your answer because it really dovetails with what I wanted to talk about next, which is your community building and your podcast. So this is a podcast. I like to interview other podcasters, other people who are out there generating awesome content. 
And uh, let's hear about your show. And then I'm going to have to ask some more specific questions about how you built your community. So, okay. So you're the host of the Not Your Average Investor show. You told us a little bit about what was the genesis behind the show, but tell us exactly who are you speaking directly to? Yeah, we are speaking to people that are looking for a better way to save for retirement. And what that generally looks like is some kind of mix of folks in a W-2 that may or may not be accredited investors yet that, you know, just don't like, don't like certain parts of like the options that they have to invest in and their regular 401k and things of the sort, and but also don't have a lot of time to do it themselves. We also speak to active real estate investors that want to take some of the active money and put it into into the passive side of their portfolio as well. And in general, we are also kind of the, the economic heartbeat of Jacksonville, which as you know, and I'm sure we'll get into this, has these really, really attractive indicators that tell us it's about to become a major, major market for the United States. And also just like Right now is a very attractive proposition for somebody that's looking to invest in real estate at whatever asset class. Absolutely. So I think again, that just dovetails perfectly into how you built the community. So I'll I'll try and prompt you a little bit with a quote from Mark Schaefer's Being the Brand book. So this uh features you, I believe it's at the end of chapter six. There's a case study, and you said we're talking with them, not at them. Yeah, man. I So how I built the community. I had a major aha moment at one point in my life when, when my brother passed away. And after two years of struggle with pancreatic cancer, I showed up to the church and there was um, like 1500 people in it, uh, standing room only packed. And I what washed over me was a feeling of value. Right, this idea that these people around me uh, helped us for the last two years and are and are holding us up right now in the hardest moments seems so value to me, so valuable to me that I could never, I could never ever leave the Catholic Church, no matter how I felt about it. And at that point, it hit me that it is a a churn issue, right? Like it is a business case for solving churn. And then I started looking for the business case of community everywhere. But also my reticular activator started to hit on what works well to build community. And one of the things that I had been doing, as I said, I had gotten really involved in nonprofits and I started being able to like understand the things that that came through that that worked in this way that created community and provided value and could drive business results. And one of the main things is the stage as a point of leverage. Right. Like if you look at if you look at most communities, there is some place that they gather to share rituals, learn and disseminate common language. And there's generally some kind of stage where either the most important person of the, you know, like in the community, the leader of the community, or that person that day that is the most important in the community gets to share some kind of value. You see this in organized religion. You see this in like festivals and stuff like that, that created community, right? Like you, you, you see this in these online communities a lot. So the way that we created this thing was the understanding that if we had, if we created that feeling, that feeling of a ritual where you can show up to every single week, where you know, 
that there is a path from being, you know, like a satellite and being interested in it to all, to all the way to like being the, the queen or king for the day. Right. So there, there is a promised land. Yeah. There's, well, there's a promised land and there is a, there is a very conscious recognition of the people that add value to the community, right? Like we're, we're constantly seeking who has value to offer others and who is looking for it to connect them. And if, and if we have matches for that, we bring them onto the stage, right? So, so we started this, this live zoom call every single week that now we do twice a week. And I think of it almost, I grew up in Miami in the nineties when I was like, Johnny South Beach promoter for nightclubs when when South Beach was becoming this like thing, right? And there's a real power and allure to a velvet rope, right? Like there's people standing outside of the club that want to pass that velvet rope and someone passing judgment on them. Then there's the VIP section where there's another velvet rope that you, if you see it, you kind of want in. Then there's the DJ booth and the friends of the DJ that you want to do it. And if and if there's a way, you know, if there's a way to show that there's access to these things, if you provide value. Um, then people will join, right? So we started doing this. We started doing the show. We started focusing on these like four layers, four vectors of connection at every show, right? There's the host to guest connection where a very valuable piece of your network gets to, you know, go through this journey with you. That's kind of like taking someone to play golf, but also to do some personal development and make some and make some content for them, right? Make some marketing material for them. Then there's the the host to audience connection, which is acknowledging the folks that show up always, um, mm-hmm. trying to remember things about them, giving them like nicknames. the Dale Carnegie stuff. The Dale Carnegie stuff, correct? Yeah, giving them nicknames, man. Right? Like we start every show with a roll call, and I, I, there's probably twenty to twenty five people in the community that have that have earned a nickname from me, and that's all very very deliberate. Then there's the audience to to guest connection, and right. the way that that works, I think people underestimate that right but the way that that works for me is i think of when someone you know i'm always incentivizing people to like talk and be a part of it and add a question in the q a or say something smart in the com- in the comments and whenever i can find one whenever someone is brave enough to join the conversation right to go from not just attendee inside the club but like hey let me ask a question to get a conversation with someone in the vip room i always i always number one acknowledge that person and add as much context to the question as I possibly can. And that does two things. That makes it so that the person that showed up feels like they just got a warm intro to this guest that is a person of esteem. And it helps the guest answer the question better because they have more context. And that inherently creates more value for everybody in the room, right? So we drive we drive that friendship. And then we're always driving the, the peer-to-peer connection, right? Through the nicknames, through acknowledging people in the comments. We're trying to make, we're trying to not be Superman, but create the Avengers of folks that show up to the show. And you do that long enough and you solve a need and 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 you treat people well. And it starts to lead to community. By end of year one, we had, we'd probably had like 40 people showing up per show. Um, yeah. but, but more importantly, you know, we had like a fan appreciation event at the end of the year. Right. Um, and then the year two, we started having like in-person meetups. Yeah. Um, and then year three, we're having this like big, these big events in Jack. Well, not that big, but like 7,500 people events in Jacksonville. People are just traveling to meet each other because they want to know who uh, Marilyn Cotterman from Homosassa, Florida that swims with manatees is, or they want to know who the mountain man Bill Green is because they've, they've heard their names over and over on the Zoom chat. And that just brings people together. Yeah. The the ability to share values with others and uh, and a sense of belonging. 
Right. Well, I love all that color. I mean, I'm colorful enough to have accumulated a few nicknames in my life. I like people who uh, who coin nicknames. So, yeah, it's underrated, <laughs> man. It's underrated it's, as a, as like a skill it's, set. It's I find it to be an endearing quality. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, I mean, you were you just start this out by inviting your more interesting uh, clients, JWB, on, and uh, you start the fan appreciation, and you went through. Really, I mean, that's what I wanted to get at is is how did you yeah. build build a show that has not only a listenership, viewership, but uh, but you've actually got in person meetups and such. So that's that's yeah. I think a very um, exciting story. Yeah, and, and George, if I may, because I think I think I missed yeah. what you were asking me. Then I to, I talked to you about the mechanics of getting people to 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 be friends with right. each other. The way you get people to show up. Is is to is to focus on value, right? Like we right. we asked ourselves, you know, very deliberately, not how do we do the rental property investing show. We asked ourselves, what do the people that know us like? What kind of stuff is valuable to them, right? Like right. if they are if they if they are looking at growing wealth through rental properties through turnkey rental property investing then you know they're not just rental property investors they're people that have looked at the financial system and thought hey man you know all this all this stuff like people are not reaching retirement with enough funds when they're in retirement they are running out of funds and the the options i'm being given right now some of them are good but i feel like there's better stuff out there for me uh you know but but i but i need to i need to know more about these things I need to see other people that are like me to for me to decide if it's for me. And uh, in order to do that, I want to understand alternative asset classes. I want to understand real estate. I want to understand the market, you know, like the 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 economic market it, et al. Um, in order to decide if Jacksonville and JWB is right for me, I need to understand why Jacksonville too, right? Like, I mean, there's, so having the mayor of Jacksonville on and stuff like that. And, and, and we mm -hmm. very deliberately called it the not your average investor show, right? Like it's, that, that is, that speaks to people that identify as that, right? Like I, I like to tell people that if you, if you want to have a community driven podcast, you want to come up with a name that your audience should consider like an aspirational character, like an aspirational kind of like state, and that anybody that you invite on as a guest considers it a compliment when they read the name. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so it's just thinking about those things, right? Like thinking about like, what is the value that the person, you know, why does this thing need to exist? Well, we were talking about pre-show. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what a great target to shoot for is to build a true community around the podcast. So I feel like we're trying to do a lot of the same things here at the Foundry. I feel like our audience is made up of, investors, people who are seeking something, looking at alternative investments, hoping mm -hmm. to find what is the best way to invest today, something that changes over time, which is why I broadened the show. I love multifamily real estate, still love it. Mm -hmm. and uh, But I'm making a conscious effort now to in invest some time uh, bringing forward the story of people who are in single family real estate or who are franchising or doing uh, one of many other things, uh, early stage companies or private equity, because it really is quite a journey out there. If you learn about the world of investing, alternative assets, et cetera, thank you so much. And uh, clearly a five-star guest, Pablo. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it.